All right, well, today we are in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 44 is where we'll be today. Uh, the title of the sermon, let me go ahead and rip the band-aid off. The Gospel and Our Money. I know that's why you showed up today, to hear a sermon about money, so you're, you're in good hands. Now, the good news is, we're not going to talk a whole lot about money today. We're going to talk about our hearts, and we're going to talk about the things that mean the most to us. But this sermon series, The Everyday Gospel, as we look at how this beautiful gospel message applies to everyday life, we couldn't not talk about money, right? Because that is a significant part of our everyday lives. And if the gospel of Jesus is going to impact our everyday lives, then this is something important for us to talk about. Well, in Matthew chapter 13, in a one-verse parable, Jesus says a whole lot about himself, about us, and about what it means for Jesus to be our treasure. Look at this with me in verse 44, Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. So this is what we're going to be looking at today. This one-verse parable where Jesus teaches that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, this verse is found in Matthew 13 among several other parables that Jesus is teaching about the topic of the kingdom of heaven. He talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like a a farmer who goes out and sows seeds, and the the seeds fall on different types of soil. He talks about how um, the kingdom of heaven is like this pearl that was found. And, And here in this verse, he talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So today we're going to talk about, first of all, what in the world Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean to me? And so we go to Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about himself and and who they think that he is. And he asks the question, hey guys, come here, who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, verse 19, uh, we read, excuse me, Matthew 16, verse 16 Peter replies, and he says, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys, here it is, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So a summary of what just happened is Jesus has his followers, his 12, his disciples, in a private session, and he asks them, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yeah, you didn't figure that out on your own, Peter. My Father in heaven revealed that to you, but you're correct. As a matter of fact, you're so correct and, the, and what you said is so profound, it's upon that statement, that, that confession, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, that I will build my church. And listen, guys, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And essentially what Jesus was saying is, guys, listen, I'm going to entrust my gospel to you, that when you go out and you share it and people hear it and they believe it, heaven will be unlocked for them. And so when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he, he means something very personal to each one of us. First and foremost, he's talking about our salvation. Now think about that. What does it mean that you've been saved and I've been saved? Well, 
First of all, it means that my sins have been forgiven and I've been cleansed of all unrighteousness. Now, that's a starting point, but that's not all of it, is it? It also means that my eternity has been secured. When I'm done with this life, whether it's an hour from now or 40 years from now, I know where I'm going. My eternity is secured with Christ in heaven. That's where I'm going. But it means even more than that, doesn't it? It means that God has placed in my life a deposit, a guarantee, his Holy Spirit to guarantee that I will go to heaven. But not only that, that God might work in my life today and do a transformative, redemptive work in me. And so when Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about all of that work that he's done in your life. But he he means more than that. Because see, with our salvation, we get a king and a kingdom. And not just any king. We get a good king. A king who seeks the good of his people. We get a just king. A king who never wavers or bends away from justice. He always acts acts justly. We get a king who's merciful and, and loving and kind and even jealous for his own people. See, We get a king and a kingdom. And that's why Jesus uses this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus says this kingdom of heaven, our salvation, that includes all of that stuff, is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, what does he mean by a field? I want you to think about this field as your life journey. So you've been walking through this life. You've been in schools and friendships and workplaces, and you've, you've discovered a lot of things in your life, some things that bring joy, some things that bring sorrow, some things that bring joy in one moment, and then the same thing later brings sorrow, right? And so that's your field. That's your life journey. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a field as you walk through your life journey, and this particular man found something in his life journey that he considered to be A treasure. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us explicitly about treasures. This may be a common passage to you. Jesus gives us instructions about our treasures. He says in verse 19 of Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't store those things up where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures. Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Then he says something really profound about treasures. He says, for where your treasure is, everybody will know it because why? Because that's where your heart will be also. And then in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will be hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Money. Now, Jesus takes this treasure principle and applies it to the probably most common struggle in our lives, money, what we do with our money. Now, that doesn't mean that money is the only struggle when it comes to treasure. Some of us, it's relationships. Some of it's possessions. Some of it's a position in life. Some of it's accolades of others. But what Jesus says is that you and I should not get caught up in storing up all these things that we find in our field, in our life journey. Things that maybe are are pleasant or pleasing or even bring you momentary joy. Don't store up these things as your treasure. Because your heart will reveal what your treasure is. Something is true about treasure, and he says it there in the end, that whatever you treasure actually will become your master. 
Treasures require submission, obedience, and our treasures are jealous for our affections. I'll give you an example. The first time I can think about in my life where I saw this principle play out, though it probably played out earlier, I just don't remember it, was when I was about to turn 16. Now, I turned 16 uh, among a generation where, where, where kids still paid for their vehicles. I know that's like borderline child abuse today in our culture. Um, but yeah, we, I know, it's so sad. We actually had to pay for our vehicles. And my granddad had made a deal for me. He would pay for half, which is a big deal. And I can remember those months leading up to purchasing my first vehicle, like everything was put on pause. Because why? I was beginning to treasure this idea of having my own vehicle, and I would sacrifice anything else that I want to spend money on to get the car. And it ended up buying an old 69 Chevy pickup truck. Hubcaps, two-tone, camper on the back. I mean, the perfect senior citizen vehicle. <laughs> so... A lot of work had to be done. And one of the first things I, I did is I realized, you know what, the camper shell's got to go, and, and i gotta, I got to clean this thing out, and we need to take out the AM radio with the 8-track player and put in something a little more modern like a CD player. I know some of the young people don't know what CD players are. But then I realized, you know what i got to do to really trick this car out, this truck out? i got to get some wheels and tires. So guess what? I began to save my money again until I could afford the aluminum wheels with the 60 series tires, right? I saved my money. I spent more on the tires and wheels than I spent on the whole truck. I look back on those days and I think, wow, I'm so glad that my values have changed, Right? But what did that say about me, right? In those months that I was saving my money, I was saying no to going out with my friends. I was saying no to taking girls on dates. I was saying no to all these other things so that I could attain this truck with these wheels and these tires, this treasure. And then six months later, I totaled it out and never drove it again. So, <laughs> but the treasure principle that we're reading about in Matthew 13 is this, that there will, when we find a treasure, it changes something in us. And it causes something within us to begin to become obedient and to sacrifice for the sake of that treasure. Treasures love to interrupt our lives, hence my truck. Right? Everything that I used to do, I put on hold, and it interrupted my life. And that's how you know it was my treasure. I was thinking about um, some of the things that, that mean a lot to me. Um, my marriage is a really important thing to me. I love my wife. I tell her that often. But can you imagine the response I would get if I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, I love you. She said, oh, how sweet. I love you too. And I said, you know what? You know how much I love you? I love you more than every other woman that I love right now. <laughs> right? Something, something's going to change, right? That doesn't mean the same thing. Because when I just say I love her, what I mean is you're my only love. I don't love a bunch of other women. But if I said to her, I love you slightly more than I love, and I begin to list all these other women, all of a sudden, what, she's going to become jealous. Because that's not what she's asking for. She doesn't want to be slightly more loved than every other woman. She wants to be the only one who is loved in my life. She's jealous for my affection. Do you know that Jesus is jealous for your affections? He doesn't want to be loved slightly above everything else in your life. He wants to be your only treasure. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, this is how you know you found the kingdom of heaven. Because I will be a treasure to you. Now, so important to point out, nobody had to convince this guy to go home and sell everything. There was not a real estate agent at the field saying, hey, you like what you saw here? It can be yours. Sign this contract. We'll close it out in 30 days. Go get your mortgage together, and you can have it. Nobody had to sell this field to the guy. He couldn't not go home and let everything go to come back and to attain the field, which contained what? The treasure he had found. It was his natural response to finding something of ultimate value. And Jesus says, this is how you'll know you found the kingdom of heaven, because I'll be your treasure, and you can't not loosen your grip on everything else that you once held dear in order to attain me. That's the kingdom of heaven. There's another example I think about, and this is in Matthew 19. You may be familiar with this story where a man comes to Jesus. We usually refer to him as the rich young ruler. He was a man of great wealth and influence. He was young. He was highly moral. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to attain the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus starts talking to him about his morality and says, you know, let's talk about what it means to be good, what it means to be moral. And this guy began to check off the boxes. I've been a good person. I've been, right, an upright person. I've been a moral person. I don't steal. I don't, I don't do all these things. And Jesus said, okay, well, let's talk about something else then. And in verse 21, Jesus said to him, okay, well, then if you're going to be perfect, here's what you need to do. I need you to go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now, we know Jesus, the king of all kings, didn't need this guy's money, did he? That's not what this is about. It was about what? His heart. Because remember, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And what Jesus was testing was this one principle. Have you truly found a treasure in me that's so valuable, you will forsake everything else? Really, verse 22 exposes the whole thing. When The young man heard this. He went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. Because his possessions were his treasure. He had found something significant in Jesus. He had found something good in Jesus. He found something he wanted in Jesus. But he hadn't found something ultimate in Jesus. Right? That caused him to forsake everything else. Now, let's talk for a minute about the part where the treasure was hidden in the field. This used to confuse me about the parable. Why is this treasure hidden? Now, we have to be careful. Parables are different from allegory. Allegory, everything in the story symbolizes something else. Parables are about a main theme, just teaching a main theme. When we think about what it means that the treasure was hidden in the field, we have to understand what this is teaching us is about spiritual blindness. Jesus wasn't in the field playing hide-and-go-seek with this guy hiding himself from the guy, and the guy just happened to to find him. Oh, look, there's Jesus. I like what I see. What Jesus is talking about is spiritual blindness. See, the treasure doesn't hide itself from us. The problem is we don't see it. Think about that. In your life journey right now, Jesus is not hiding from you. Some of you have found him. 
Others have not yet. Jesus is not hiding from you. Now, there are a lot of reasons for our spiritual blindness. For some of us, we don't want anything to do with Jesus, right? Until God shows up and proves himself to us, we want nothing to do with God. And so we have the proverbial stiff arm towards God, and for that reason, there's a spiritual blindness. Others of us have a false idea of who God is. We're pursuing this God who's not real. He's the God we've made up, the God we want God to be. And God says, I won't interact with that. That's not who I am. And so there's a spiritual blindness. Let me give you another example. Some folks, probably even somebody here today, grew up in church. Grew up in a a religious family. Showed up at church every time the doors were open. Went to Sunday morning worship, went to Sunday school, went to RAs, GAs, VBS. You were involved in everything, and you learned a lot about God, but you never met him. Spiritual blindness. See, the treasure hidden in the field wasn't because Jesus is hiding. It's because the guy walking through this life wasn't looking for him. Right? This guy was looking for the things that he had found, the things of meaning, relationships, career, some kind of ultimate purpose in getting a pat on the back or achievements. We don't know what this guy possessed. We don't know how wealthy he was. All we know is that once the spiritual blindness was gone, what he saw in Jesus was so ultimate to him that he couldn't not forsake everything else. So he says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in field. I'm going to share a story with you. Um, some of you may even know this story about a, an author. Uh, the author's name is Jack London. If you knew who Jack London was, he authored several famous books, White Fang, Call the Wild. If you don't know anything about Jack London's life, he set out at a very young age uh, to become a famous author. He wanted everybody to read his books. He wanted to be incredibly famous and wealthy. He wanted, to, he wanted to build a great name for himself as an author. And so in order to write, to write great stories, um, he was an adventure seeker. On July 12th in 1898, he set sail for the Klondike in the middle of the gold rush because he believed if he got in the middle of all this stuff happening, he could write great stories. And this is where uh, the inspiration came for White Fang and the Call of the Wild and He was just known as this adventure seeker who loved to write great stories. Well, Jack London, in an effort to make a great name for himself, finally did. His books were published and were shipped all around the world. He became a a world-renowned author. Many of you have even read some of his works. And so once he had accumulated wealth and fame, he decided the, the, the last great contribution to his great name was he was going to buy a huge ranch and build this mansion as this, as this monument to his great name that people would never forget him. And so he bought 20,000 acres in California called Beauty Ranch. And he began to build this 26-room mansion. And he called the mansion uh, the Wolf House as a tribute to his name that nobody would ever forget how great Jack London was. The irony of the story is that after several years of construction, about two weeks away from being completely done and moving into this mansion, this great tribute to his great name, the house burned to the ground, and he never got to live in it. 
And to add tragedy to tragedy, he died just a short time later, sitting on the porch of his little cottage there on the ranch at the age of 40. Now, I know we're not all Jack London, but see, that's what this parable is about about living your life, walking through your field in such a way you're looking for meaning and purpose and many of us to build a great name for ourselves. But when we find the kingdom of heaven, everything else pales. Everything else begins to lose its luster. Everything else begins to become something that moths can destroy and rust can destroy and fires can destroy. And Jesus says, here's how you know you found the kingdom of heaven. Because you can't not begin to let go of those things. And your immediate reaction will be what? To go home and sell out everything in order that you might attain the treasure of Jesus. Now, Jesus is not calling you to live a life of poverty. If you've taken that from what we talked about, you missed it. It's not it. Matter of fact, we would encourage you as a church, work hard. It's okay. Work hard. But don't allow what you make, your possessions, your career, your relationships to become your treasure. You see, God has a purpose in your finances. Did you know that? We talked a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the gospel in our work. We talked about how work is actually something good designed by God. That before sin entered the picture, work was something that was of complete joy for Adam and Eve. It was the means by which they received God's good provisions for their lives. Did you know that God has a purpose attached to his good provision for you? Did you know that? Well, what does God want me to do with my money? He wants you to take care of your family. He wants you to eat, put car, tires on the car, change the oil, make sure the roof gets fixed. He wants you to pay off your debt. He wants you to give generously to his kingdom work. What if I have money left? Enjoy it. Give it away, invest it, save it. But God has a purpose in his provision for your life. This isn't a sermon about raising money or giving more money to the church. This is about finding Jesus as your treasure. How do we know that Jesus has become our treasure? Here's how you know, because he interrupts everything else. He interrupts everything else. He gets in the way of everything else. How do we know when Jesus is not our treasure? Because everything else gets in the way of him. Now, we're going to land here today in a couple of different ways. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have not trusted in Jesus for your salvation, your eternal life, the guarantee of the kingdom of heaven, and all that that means to you, I'm simply going to ask you to do something courageous, whoever you are. Would you pray that God would remove any kind of blinders from your eyes today that you could see the treasure that we find in Jesus? Just ask God, will you show me how valuable Jesus is? And if you're here today and you're a Christian, like me, and you're prone to wonder, maybe there was a season in your life where Jesus was ultimate to you, but then you realize that there's also seasons where things begin to get in the way between you and Jesus, your work, your kids, your spouse, whatever it is. Maybe today would just be a day of saying, God, could you show me once again the treasure I have in Jesus. I've lost sight of that, and I need to see him as ultimate today. 
What I want to do now is I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Aaron, if you'd come back up. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to be available to pray with you. And anything that God has spoken to you today, they'd be honored to pray with you about that. I'm going to encourage you to respond in however God has spoken to you. I want to pray for you and pray with you, and then we're going to respond. Uh, Father, thank you for this very simple but powerful reminder today that what we have found in Jesus is worth more than anything else on earth. And God, first of all, I pray for the person who has not come to faith in Jesus that today you truly would unveil the goodness and the value of knowing Christ. God, for that person right now who's wrestling with doubts and fears and and struggling to believe, God, I pray you would meet them where they are at and you would show them the treasure of knowing Christ. And God, for any of us this morning who have allowed our hearts to wonder, for any of us this morning who've at one point in our lives sold everything to buy the field and yet we found ourselves gravitating back to those things that we've let go of, God. Would you let us see once again, fresh and anew, the treasure of knowing Jesus. What we're asking for, God, is that you would stir our affections. You would capture our hearts. God, our worship would be singular focused. God, our eyes would be fixed on Christ. And our grip on our possessions would be loosened. Father, would you work in our hearts this morning? Would you move through this room? Would you send your spirit? Would you speak to us? Would you work in us? Would you convict us? Would you encourage us? Would you heal us? God, we pray in the powerful, the ultimate name of Jesus.